Okay, Ryan, we are uh, here. Episode two, uh, we're still on the air. They haven't kicked us off yet. I guess I guess we're doing something somewhat right, at least. Yeah, I, I certainly <laughs> hope so. Um, we're going to do a little bit of a weekend preview here, uh, do a little bit of a recap for the Masters. Uh, that's still going on. Um, second round uh, is tomorrow at 7.30 a.m. or Friday when you're listening to this. Um, but let's get into uh, first some... Uh, college football uh, stuff. We had a lot of games uh, being canceled uh, for this weekend. I'm just going to run down the list here real quick. Uh, we have Ohio State versus Maryland canceled due to rising COVID numbers in Maryland uh, from the way I understand the story, not because Maryland had an outbreak on the team. Kind of um, a, a little bit, you know, unbelievable. That that's how bad things are getting in Maryland to where the game actually got canceled. Um, it's not going to be postponed or rescheduled at a later date. Um, we have Auburn versus Mississippi State uh, canceled. We have Texas A&M versus Tennessee canceled. Bama versus LSU canceled. That's a key uh, game on the calendar every single year for college football fans. Georgia versus Mizzou as of 3.30 this evening got canceled. And then Arkansas coach Sam Pittman will not coach due to testing for COVID-19. Um, what are your thoughts on the games that have been canceled this weekend due to COVID? Well, I mean, more, more than anything, it sounds like we're not going to get to watch any SEC football. <laughs> I mean, that's, that, that's kind of what it all boils down to, right? But, you know, it, 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 it's going to happen, right? We, we knew this was going to happen. We knew that teams were going to have positive tests and, and coaches and players alike would test positive. And we would have to cancel games. That's that's part of what's happened through this. And and one thing that we have talked about previously, too, with every conference having a little bit different of a testing policy and how they go about this and how the quarantine works, if, if, test, if they test positive, I think you're starting to see that show a little bit, though. And, and hopefully this is only a one-week ordeal where, where we see most of the SEC slate canceled. Um, I hope that this doesn't happen with other conferences as we keep moving down the line. Um, but I think it's to be expected. Maybe we didn't think it would be an entire conference this way, but it, it's bound to happen at some point. Yeah, the Bama versus LSU game, obviously, like I said, that's a key game for college football fans on the calendar every single year. Uh, I mean, you look at last year, LSU went 15-0, right, won the national championship. Joe Burrow wins the Heisman. Uh, they beat Bama for the first time in so many years. And now you're not going to have the chance for Bama to get redemption. Um, you know, we'll see what happens down the uh, road with SEC championship. Uh, what games might that affect? You know, because we're becoming on the bowl season here. And, you know, it could happen where a bowl game might get canceled. Um, so we'll see what happens. Um, but uh, getting into more college football, uh, the three or four best games um that we have this weekend three of them are at noon uh we have miami versus virginia tech uh Derek king uh has 16 touchdowns uh 1831 passing yards and safety bubba bolden has 40 tackles uh i predict miami is going to win this game maybe by 10 points maybe by 17 uh virginia tech last week they had a chance to beat liberty who's seven and oh they block a field goal virginia tech does at the end of the game um, and they take it back to the house. But it's one of those situations where Virginia Tech uh, iced themselves, and the play came back 
Liberty scored a field goal to win. What's your thoughts on the Miami-Virginia Tech game? Well, I think Miami, like you mentioned, is, is the clear-cut favorite. They, they definitely have the, the speed and the talent uh, with somebody like Derek King at the quarterback position. Uh, I, I, think, I think one thing not to be taken lightly, though, and in, in what you mentioned is, is how good Liberty's football team, though, is. Um, I think they've really become a, a good team, in, and I don't think that necessarily means that Virginia Tech's a bad team. Uh, I think that just means that, again, Liberty's a good football team. I think Virginia Tech will give them a tough game. They'll be riled up after a game where they came on and basically a walk-off loss like that. Um, I, I just can't see Miami losing a game to Virginia Tech like this. They're, they're too talented everywhere around the ball. I, I don't foresee them. I don't foresee them going down to Virginia Tech. Yeah, no, uh, I expect uh, big things out of Miami. And, uh, you know, as we get uh, closer to the Heisman race, you know, I know that he doesn't have the numbers, but Derek King, you know, he's not going to be in the Heisman conversation, but he's going to be a, a draft pick come April, uh, whether it's in the, you know, third, fourth round. He's not going to be a top, you know, first round pick, but uh, look out for him uh, when we get to the draft next spring. Okay, Indiana, number 10, Indiana ranked versus Michigan State who's one and two, they lost 49-7 last week to Iowa, but Michigan State did beat Michigan. That is a big win, no matter, you know, how far Michigan has fallen uh, in the first couple weeks of the season. But Indiana, not only are they 3-0 and for the first time since 1988, Ryan, they are first in the Big Ten East. Michael Penix Jr., 750 passing yards, and the offense is averaging 339 yards per game um, and if Indiana wins this game, uh, look for, don't be surprised, uh, if they can give at least give a game to Ohio state next Saturday. Yeah. The only thing that worries me about Indiana going into this is, is the mindset that, that I think we as fans and sometimes media can, can portray as a trap game. It, it happens a lot whenever you have the, the big matchup coming up the next week. Uh, again, I don't think Indiana will fall into that. I think they're a well-coached team, and they've proved that throughout this early season. I don't think they'll play into the trap game mentality. They'll come out ready to go. But Michigan State's another one of those teams. They'll, they'll be feisty, and they'll give them a game. Um, beating Michigan certainly is a big task for Michigan State. That's a banner win for them. But in a season where Michigan is not even really close to the team that they've been in the past, it it's more of a character win than it says about, hey, we're we're a stout program that's going to be top tier this year. I think Indiana goes into this mad and, and ready to go because they want to be undefeated going into Ohio State. They want to be ready to play the, the kings of the Big Ten or, or whatever you want to call them. They want to be Ohio, they want to play Ohio State undefeated and they want to be able to give them a game. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, they're, they're ranked number 10. You know, I mean, it's just they have that huge game next Saturday. And, you know, around third quarter, if you see that they're down a field goal to Michigan State, don't be surprised. Um, okay. Uh, we're having more college football discussion. But this one, WVU versus TCU, big noon kickoff for uh, Gus Johnson and uh, Joel Klatt on Fox. Ryan, I'll let you take the reins on this one. First and foremost, we love when Gus Johnson calls our games. At least I do. That's yeah, that's absolutely. One of the, He's one of the best. One of the most favorable things that we can do. So let, let's look at this. Both teams need this win. This is a this is a game where both teams need this win. The big thing that WVU has to do is they have to come out and start fast. They they can't 
linger and let TCU get up on them. TCU has played tough in every game that they've played this year. Uh, if you look back in the early season, whenever TCU at the, at the beginning of this season, uh, they lost by three points to Iowa State and, lost, and, and beat Texas by two points. Um, I don't think, and, and only lost to Kansas State, I should say, by a, a touchdown as well. So I, I don't think that this is one of those instances where we say, oh, well, TCU beat Texas. So then parity would say that they beat WVU. I don't think that's the way that it works. I think WVU's best, best bet is to come out and start fast. The receivers have to catch passes. If we can get that running game going early and establish ourselves, I think we'll be in a much better spot. But don't write off TCU because, again, they've been in most every game that they've played this season, and I don't think they're going to – they're not just going to roll over for WVU. Yeah, and I also think WVU's uh, a little mad uh, because of the Texas game last week. Um, I think uh, Jared Deggie will have a uh, – not a big game, but I think he'll have a decent uh, game. I mean, they're 4-3, and three, you know, um, two middle-of-the-road teams. Uh, we'll see what happens on Saturday. Wrapping- uh, one, one, other, one other thing I'll say about that yeah, just real uh, when it comes to Neil Brown, so I, I said before that I'm a big Neil Brown supporter. I, I always will be. One of the big things is they talk about him improving his programs from year one to year two. Uh, so last year as, as five and seven, this this would match that. And again, in, in, a, in a year where it's, it's much different and, and a little bit more challenging when it comes to records and how it translates overall, I think this is a big, I think it's a big game for WVU. I look for them to win this game. I think it'll be a hard fought game. It'll be a close game. It always is with TCU for some reason that they're another one of those teams like Texas. That's always close. Uh, But I think that the guys will show up for Neil Brown so they can get that fifth win on the season. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. Um, You know, Neil Brown, uh, I think has gotten the best out of the team as, uh, as he can uh, with this modified uh, conference only schedule uh, that uh, they have this season. All right. Wisconsin, Michigan, uh, second game, keep in mind, um, they had two games canceled due to COVID uh, outbreak in the program. Uh, this is Graham Mertz's uh, second game as a freshman QB, but he played really well in that Friday night game on the Big Ten Network uh, versus Illinois. He had five touchdowns, 20 for 21. He's going against a really apathetic Michigan defense. Uh, Michigan has allowed 411 yards per game. Uh, that's one of the worst in the Big Ten. Um, we talked about it on our Tuesday episode. We both believe Jim Harbaugh, you know, will not get fired maybe until, you know, as long as they let him stay there because he's the reason they're relevant in the first place. But um, a tricky game for Wisconsin. I mean, they've had all that time off, um, and they need to stay in the thick of things down the uh, push for uh, the Big Ten title. Sure, and, and as good as Wisconsin looked in their opening game, I truly think that this is a redemption game for Michigan. I think that Jim Harbaugh will have this team ready to go. And it's not a knock on Wisconsin. I think it's more about the, the honest truth of them having to take 14 days off uh, and Graham Mertz not being able to play in these games. So it, it, really, it really stands out to me that Michigan, although they haven't been great this season so far, they need this game. And, and they want this game in their own minds because they're looking back at their schedule going, how in the world have we lost these games so far? We need to step up. And I think, I think Coach Harbaugh will have them ready. Um, I, I might actually take Michigan in this game. Um, if I'm looking at it just from a redemption standpoint, I don't know if Michigan is, is clearly the better football team, but just what's on the line, I think Michigan comes out ready to play. Uh, don't, you know, don't lock that in your, in your game picks, but I, I think Michigan comes out ready to play, and honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if they upset the Badgers. Yeah, I, I like that prediction. Uh, I would not be shocked myself. 
Um, I mean, I, I think it's uh, going to be a good game. I think it's going to be one of those 24-17 type games uh, that we uh, find ourselves watching uh, at 1130 on Saturday. Okay, uh, we're going to transition. Uh, Ryan, why don't you tell who uh, uh, the people who we have uh, on today's episode? Yeah, absolutely. So the, this episode, we welcomed on the host of NFL Red Zone, Scott Hansen. Scott is a wonderful interview. Uh, we go through all topics of the NFL and, and talk about why this weekend uh, might be a little bit more exciting than the rest of them. So uh, we'll get into that interview here now. Okay, and uh, we'll see you on the other side. We'll do some uh, NFL preview stuff, and uh, we'll see you after the interview. And now our interview with Scott Hansen. Right. We now welcome on the host of NFL Red Zone, uh, also named one of the 100 figures who shaped the first century of the NFL. Well, we did our research. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> but everyone's favorite face to see on Sundays because we know it's time for football. Mr. Scott Hansen. Scott, thanks for joining us here today. Ryan and Ryan, good to be with you guys. Good to talk a little football and talk a little NFL Red Zone, especially in the midst of 2020 when we didn't know if we would get here today, you know? Yeah, absolutely. We're, I think maybe um, the three of us might be the most three excited people that football's back. I, I sat through the pandemic the whole time, just fingers crossed as hard as I could. Right. And I'm sure you did too. Me too. All right. So um, first question I want to start with here is, is actually just something broad about the NFL that's kind of came up in the last couple of days um, about the playoff picture and, and how that's looking and it might change. So the NFL has uh, preliminarily approved the 18 playoff uh, making that about half half the league now, actually. So how does that change the scope of the NFL and kind of the remaining eight weeks of the season? Well, I would say this. We are pretty much at critical mass when it comes to being able to shuffle things around like we did in the first half of the season. Oh, okay, you know, your opponent has too many COVID cases. We're not going to play your game here in week four. Your bye week, which was week eight, you're going to play that then, and then we'll move this. Now you're on your bye. All that stuff, that's about over because probably about 80% of the bye weeks are over now. And it, the, there's just – it's like Tetris. Remember the old game Tetris? There's, there's only so many shapes that can fit into so many different holes right now, and the schedule probably can't get tampered with anymore. So if we get another COVID outbreak that would force a, a postponement of a game or, God forbid, a cancellation of a game, the NFL doesn't want to have, at the end of the season, a team that is 9-7 and seven and a team that is 9-6. and six because they missed a game. Well, which team goes to the playoffs? Nine and six actually has a better win percentage, but nine and seven played 16 games. So I think with the contingency of being able to have a week 18 or extending or expanding the playoff field, it just allows some wiggle room in the postseason to maybe get another team in. Maybe if there is a nine and seven and nine and six, both of you guys are in the playoffs. And, and it gives them the, the ability to still be equitable without having to tamper with the regular season, as I said before, which just seems to be at a it's, – it's, it's, it's stuffed full as it could possibly be right now. So I don't have a problem with it. We've all got to roll with everything in 2020, right? We've got to roll with it. And is it, is it unfair? Yeah, it might be unfair to some different teams, but I think they're doing the best that they can with it. Sure. I mean, they had, what, 24 in hockey, so stuff happens. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Scott, uh, talking about playoff picture, uh, three teams come to mind as we're 
entering that second phase of going down to the playoff push. Uh, Carolina, Vegas, Chicago. Carolina, to me, looks like a wild card team, especially when Teddy Bridgewater played extremely well the other day. He's fifth in the NFL right now in passing. Uh, that's touchdowns and yards. Um, what's your thoughts on those three teams as we head down the second half? Yeah, and Teddy Bridgewater, I believe, is second or third in completion percentage as well. So he, he's getting it done in a year when, you know, a new head coach comes in, a new quarterback comes in. If I would have told you that Christian McCaffrey was going to miss six games and now he's going to miss his seventh this upcoming weekend, you would have been like, Carolina's dead in the waters. No way they're going anywhere. The fact that they're in the conversation, pretty remarkable. The fact that the Bears are in the conversation after having, you know, benched their would-be starting quarterback, their would-be franchise quarterback, and haven't played good offensive football all season long, basically, and that they're in the conversation, pretty remarkable. I actually like Las Vegas. I like the Raiders. Um, they beat the team that I would actually have number one in my power rankings. I don't do power rankings, and I don't, I don't really believe in power rankings because it doesn't matter, right? It's like someone's opinion. Everyone's got Pittsburgh number one because last undefeated team and 100% salute them. It's awesome. Best start in franchise history. But if I had to take Kansas City or Pittsburgh on a neutral site right now, or even in either one of those cities, because there's really no home field advantage this year, I think I would take Kansas City. And the, then the Raiders were the one team to hang a loss on the, on the Chiefs postseason and regular season, one loss in the last 365 days as you and I speak here right now. So I, I like, I like Las Vegas. I think there's good young playmakers on there. Obviously Darren Waller's a dynamic tight end. Josh Jacobs, a very, very good running back, good young running back. And Derek Carr's getting absolutely no love probably because he doesn't have the 400 yard, four touchdown pass games very often, but man, takes care of the football. Doesn't take bad sacks. It makes the plays when they're available to them. And the defense has been, has been serviceable as well. So I kind of like Las Vegas out of that trio. Yeah. We, we said the other day, they're kind of bringing back some of that old Raider grit. It um, yeah. kind of feels, feels a little bit different this year. Yeah. Offensive line is nasty too. That the, the Raiders have used a lot of resources, whether it be draft picks or, or uh, free agency money to bolster that offensive line. And they're one of the better offensive lines in the game. And Josh Jacobs is uh, third right now behind Derek uh, Henry and Dalvin Cook in rushing. I mean, he's he's one of the best backs in the game. And if it was a normal year, like a, a year other than Cook and Henry just blowing up the world statistically, he'd be right in the middle in terms of potential. Uh, hold on, I got a little thing here coming in. Sorry about that. Someone just hit me up on a on a message. I. Uh, uh, if it was a normal year, his his numbers would be right there with the league leaders. I mean, granted, third is among the lead leaders, but Cook and Henry are just so far above everyone else right now. People are playing for third when it comes to the rushing title. Sure. Um, so you, you touched on it here um, briefly. You're talking about Kansas City and Pittsburgh kind of in the AFC side of it. Um, with, with everything that you've seen so far, and we know probably more than anybody, you've seen the most football. What what's kind of looking like the probable Super Bowl matchup right now? We we don't have to do power rankings because I would agree with you they're 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 kind of worthless. But 
who are the two teams are standing out kind of looking like the Super Bowl favorites at this point? Yeah, I, well, I, I just mentioned Kansas City before, and I think Kansas City's the best team in football. Look, at Pittsburgh, if, if they played head-to-head and, and Pittsburgh beat them, I wouldn't be surprised at all, right? Pittsburgh has all the ingredients, and they're the last man standing. And by the way, here's an interesting stat. The last two years, and I think it's three of the last five years, the last remaining undefeated team in the NFL, which this year is the Steelers, the last remaining team, uh, undefeated team in the NFL went to the Super Bowl. That's a pretty strong trend. trend. Last two years, uh, three of the last five years. So, but I would still take, I would still take Kansas City. I think if it comes down to it, I think Kansas City should be undefeated. The, the game that they lost to the Raiders, I felt like the rest of the team was sitting around kind of going like, oh, third quarter, we're trailing. Eh, Mahomes going to make a play. Don't worry about it. Oh, fourth quarter, we're trailing. Eh. Don't worry about it. Mahomes is going to make a play. And Mahomes is dynamic. He might end up winning the MVP this year. But you cannot do that in a in an 11-man game. You can't do that, even as someone as talented as Mahomes. And I think maybe they, they got snapped out of that after the Raiders beat them in Arrowhead, mind you. But I still think Kansas City is the best team. So I'd take Kansas City out of the AFC. NFC is, is much more jumbled. The Packers are sitting there lurking. Uh, you've got the Saints who just won a uh, smashed Tampa Bay, which was people about midway through the season were like, okay, I'll take the Bucks as my, you know, as my team. Brady still got magic. Da, 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 da. That that disaster of a football game on Sunday night. I mean, it's bad when you could barely get through a full Sunday night game because because it's just like so lopsided, especially when no one predicted. People thought that was going to be a 35-34 game coming out of the wire. So the Saints, man, they're putting it together and it's easy. People wrote off the Saints in the first couple of weeks of the season, I think, after we saw Drew Brees struggle with some deep balls. Oh, there it is. Father Time won the, won the, the battle with Drew Brees. Can't throw deep anymore. That hamstrings the offense. People are going to be able to load the box and just play everything up front. Well, more recently, he has gone downfield. He has developed some of these young wide receivers, especially because, uh, uh, you know, Michael Thomas has had his issues uh, physically and if you listen to the reports attitude wise out of new Orleans uh, and then Alvin Kamara might be the best weapon in the game, the best pure weapon in the game, considering that Christian McCaffrey's back on the sideline with an injury. So if I had to, I'd probably take the saints. I'd probably take the saints. Now, if that NFC title game is saints at green Bay, whole different story than green Bay at the saints. And I'm not even talking about the crowd noise, but I'm talking about, a, you know, a Southern team going up, I believe in cold weather games impacting a, a warm weather road team. I believe in that. And if it's in Lambeau in late January, if it ended up being that way, then I'd probably give the advantage to the Packers. But, but right now I think the saints are right in the mix to get that the number one seed. And remember there's only one buy this year. There's only one buy. So whoever gets that, it is, it's always precious this year more than ever. So yeah, give me Saints, give me Saints Chiefs here halfway through the season. Yeah, I mean, talking about, you know, the bye, how that's going to impact the playoffs, you know, really just talking about all playoff stuff right now. There's been reports the last couple of days that they are looking at if there are more COVID outbreaks for teams, that they might have to move games to possibly Monday or Tuesday night. Um, do you see that as a possibility? Because, you know, we've already had a Tuesday night game. We've had a couple Mondays where, you know, there's been double headers, you know. So, I mean, it seems like it could be a real possibility, especially with the second wave that's, you know, coming on right now. 
Yeah, I think everything is on the table when it comes to the NFL reacting to whatever the, the public health situation is in, in one of 32 different NFL cities. And it, it, it's not optimal to play a Tuesday night game because that team's got to come back and play on Sunday again, right? In fact, I would go further. It's not good to play a Tuesday night game. For us fans and the media, shoot, we love it. We, I guarantee we all found some viewing. You know, Tuesday night's usually my one free night where I kind of unplug from football during the week. And I was like, well, I'm all in, you know, when it came to Tuesday night. But with, with the NFL trying to get through a full 16-game slate and get to the playoffs, everything's on the table. So if you told me, that you predict there'd be four more Tuesday night games here in November and all the way through December, I wouldn't say, nah, no way, never going to happen. I, I think everything is on the table. Yeah, and, and definitely makes it interesting going into playoff time because, as you mentioned in the first part, the, the schedule is kind of it is kind of at capacity now. So it, it'll it'll really require some shuffling at that point, and uh, but you have to play the playoff games. That's <laughs> That's at the end of the day what it all takes. And you know what? And if the Super Bowl gets pushed back, I guarantee you there, have, there has already been discussions with the city of Tampa, the Tampa Bay area there, which is hosting the Super Bowl this year, that, hey, if we have to play this thing in March, can you guys handle it? Hotels, convention center, da-da-da-da-da, the stadium, all this other type of stuff. And it, you know what? They'll They'll – They'll work it as, as best they can. Uh, but as of, I was just on a Zoom call this morning with uh, NFL events. Everything is still scheduled according to plan. Everything is still going to go according to plan. Uh, the, the stadium almost certainly will not be at capacity for the Super Bowl, Raymond James Stadium. I think the latest I heard is that they're, they're probably hoping for maybe 25% capacity with, of course, masking and social distancing and all of the public health uh, uh, precautions being taken. And the Super Bowl won't be the same in terms of the week leading up to the Super Bowl because it's a festival. It's a, I go every year and it's just so amazing. I don't know if you guys have been to a Super Bowl. Even sitting in the stands on Sunday is, is of course, the, the, the pinnacle of it. But being in the city of the Super Bowl during the week and seeing, seeing the drama and the, and the excitement and the energy build through the week, it's, it's not going to be that this year. But everyone's everyone knows why, and everyone accepts that, and we'll we'll take the best that we can get at this point. Sure. Well, and it's it's definitely flattering to um to maybe one day go to a Super Bowl. We're we're just a couple of small town kids, so maybe one of these days we'll make it make it to one. That's a that's a life goal for sure. Uh, one one come last look question. me up if you do if you make it come look me up I'm oh, usually around all week. Yeah, we'll we'll find you no doubt. That that's number one on our priority list now. Um, one last quick question for you on my end. So, um, again, you, you've probably seen more football than anybody on any Sunday watching almost every game intently. Who's the NFL's MVP this year? Who's the player who stands out to you the most during this crazy season? Well, we as football fans and the media, we are, we are bipolar when it comes to everything and anything in the NFL, right? Because Russell Wilson was going to be the back-to-back you know, unanimous MVP. I say back to back because Lamar Jackson was the first ever unanimous MVP, right? And, and you know, how many times have you heard in the first two months of the season, Russell Wilson's never even gotten a vote for MVP. Oh, this year he's going to crush it and stuff. Well, one, one game where he, where he 
his numbers aren't record setting. And now all of a sudden it's like, well, yeah, Mahomes going to win the MVP or, or Dalvin Cook. Here comes Dalvin Cook. We already missed games this season, right? So I don't think you can firmly say uh, Lamar Jackson hasn't been himself or, you know, he hasn't been 2019's Lamar Jackson. So I think, I think we will have a different MVP this year. I still think it's between Russ and Mahomes and then maybe one of the two running backs, depending on if, if Derrick Henry can, can, you know, have the type of December that he had last year, because dudes are tired, tired of tackling that guy in December, right? These defenses. And he has some of his biggest statistical games in the last month of the season, which of course is clinching time for the MVP votes. And then Dalvin cook, I don't know what they figured out with the Minnesota Vikings offensive line and him and whatnot. He's already, he was already a very good, if not great back, but he's, he's looked elite in the last couple of weeks. So I think, I think Russ Mahomes and one of the two running backs, I'll, I'll still stick with Russell Wilson. He's still on pace to break the, the single season touchdown record. Uh, one out of every it's now it's a little over 10, but one out of every 10 or 11 times he attempts a pass. It's a touchdown. I repeat, not, not one out of every 10 completions is a touchdown. One out of every 10 throws he makes is a touchdown, not an incompletion, not an interception, not a completion for 12 yards on third and 10, a touchdown. It's bananas. Uh, and, and yeah, he had a bad game in Buffalo. Okay, fine. There's a lot more times. Like I said, we're all bipolar. One more four touchdown game out of Russell Wilson, and we'll all get amnesia about what happened in Buffalo. So I'll still ride with Russ on that one. Scott, uh, last question before we let you go. Um, and it's really a two-parter. Um, this is going to air on our Friday's episode. Okay. What is uh, the best uh, matchup of the day on Sunday? For me, you know, it's not the Sunday night game, uh, Baltimore, New England. For me, it's that weird 405 slot between Buffalo and Arizona that's going to air with Josh Allen, Kyler Murley. And then how do you balance, because you've been doing this for about 9, 10, 11 years, how do you balance going from 8 or 9 1 p.m. games every single Sunday to typically most of the time, two or three, four o'clock games coming off the witching hour and the high that gives, you know, everyone watching red zone. I mean, it's a little more balanced this Sunday, but what's the best game uh, this uh, Sunday? Yeah. Okay. Well, here, I'm going to reach for my notes. So as we talk right now, I'm in the process. I do all my spreadsheets, my notes, my research, our research team sends me a hundred, 200 page packet every Tuesday night to kind of button up everything from the week before and look ahead. So this is my homepage, if you will. I still like pieces of paper when I, when I do my stuff. This is my homepage. I don't know how well it'll translate, but it's basically got the schedule out in front of it, okay? And I'll hold it up there. Look on, the, look on this side right over here. You see where it says 5E6L? That's five early, six late. I've hosted the show for 12 years, right? NFL Red Zone, it's been around for, this is our 12th season. We've never had a Sunday like this before. Never had a Sunday like it. The reason is because of COVID, the Masters got pushed back to November. So the Masters is being played right now as we speak. Sunday's the final round. It's obviously on CBS, one of the two early late window broadcast partners of the NFL. There are no early window games on CBS. 
So the NFL worked with, with CBS in this extraordinary 2020 uh, demand, demands of the, of the year, pushed all those games to the late window. So we have never had a five-game early window, a six-game late window. And so guys, buckle up. We're going to have a double witching hour this Sunday. Can I sign you up for that? I'm, in. I'm, 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 in. I'm, I'm getting a little sweaty <laughs> just thinking about it right now. I'm not joking. It's going to be awesome to see. And, and you know what? That Cardinals-Bills game between two of the really good-looking young quarterbacks in the NFL and two defenses that have really been getting it done this year as well from two different conferences, that's the one I'll look at out of our 11-game slate right there. And I'll say we won't focus on it necessarily more than the other games. You're still going to see every touchdown from every game. But if all things are equal, that's where I'd like to see Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, head to head, you know, going back and forth. And if it's anything like that Arizona Miami game last week, which was a, a sneaky good game on paper that ended up being both teams in the thirties and, and, you know, coming down to the final couple minutes of the game, uh, that, that'll be fun. That'll be fun to see. So yeah, give me Bill's Cardinals this week as, as maybe the, the game of the week on red zone, but 11 games with a six game late window, please. And thank you. Maybe not under the same circumstances, but we would take that more often if we could get it. <laughs> you know what? Everybody asked me about that. Before I go, let me just explain to, to your audience here. The, the, the basic reason that there's nine games in the early window, three games in the late window, or that type of a stagger traditionally is you'll look, one of those matchups is going to be Cowboys Patriots or some big flashy headline game, Right. Uh, Bucks, Chiefs, you know, Mahomes versus Brady. And they do that to give the network that's broadcasting that game the biggest, widest audience. Because then if there's a three-game late window, there's only two games that are up against the featured game. So it's, it's not done to irritate the NFL red zone audience that wants to see six games early, six games late. It's done for the broadcast partners to give them a huge television rating and a massive audience that's why it's done it's not our favorite obviously I'd rather have a few more games in the late window but I understand it I accept it and and that's why so well you never know what you may run into some other um, interesting football in, in that regard too but uh very true Scott most most importantly we really appreciate your time today thank you for uh, coming on the show and, and joining the two Ryans today um I hope that you everyone in your family close ones loved ones continue to stay safe um, and again, thank you very much for coming on. Hey, Ryan and Ryan, all the best with the show. Thanks for having me on. And we'll see you Sunday for seven hours of commercial free football. See you guys. Appreciate it. Hey, uh, that was a good interview. Uh, I hoped everyone liked it. Um, before we get into NFL preview stuff, we did mention at the top, uh, Masters is going on right now. Uh, Paul Casey, minus seven uh, in the lead. Webb Simpson, minus five. Uh, along with um, Xander Shoffley, minus five. Uh, they're both tied second. And then you kind of have a, a nice little tie for fifth right now between Adam Scott and Tiger Woods, both at minus four. And then uh, another play that stuck out to me, Ricky Fowler, uh, minus three, tied 13, could make a big push on day two and day three on moving day. Yeah, well, and, and as, uh, as Scott mentioned in the interview, with the Masters backing up the NFL, it'll, it'll probably have some more eyes on it this year. 
uh, we'll, we'll take into consideration what happens as we go through the weekend and then we'll recap it again whenever we're back here next week. But interested to see how it all plays out in a, in a different environment. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens on Sunday, uh, special 10 a.m. start time uh, because of uh, the Masters being postponed. Um, normally it's at 2 p.m. on Sunday on that final day. Okay, uh, NFL preview, uh, best games of the weekend. Uh, a game kind of really that's important to the NFC East. I can't believe I'm saying that, but the Eagles versus the Giants. Uh, we, <laughs> we have the Eagles 28th passing offense uh, versed uh, the 23rd ranked defense uh, in the league with Carson having 12 touchdowns, 12 picks, uh, not really having the season that he had a couple of seasons ago before he got that injury and Nick Foles took them to the Super Bowl. He hasn't really looked the same since, to tell you the truth. Um, what's your thoughts on this game? I mean, it, it really is important to the NFC East. The Eagles need this to stay at uh, the top of the division. Well, we joke about it where we say that the NFC East is extremely lethargic and, and terrible but it makes every game exciting because every game matters at that point. When, when you're only one or one and a half games out, that makes it exciting and it should be enjoyable. I, the, the stat to me about Daniel Jones winning four of his starts against the Redskins, all four of his starts against the Redskins, and he's what one in 17 against the rest of the league. That's ridiculous. That's absolutely absurd. That is a dumb stat that just doesn't seem real. Um, and I think it'll continue. I think the Eagles come out on top in this one. I think the Eagles have been playing better. I think the Eagles have a tough team. I think that they've just been the, some bad luck as they go through. I think the Eagles are the better football team. I think the Eagles will eventually come out and win this division. Um, it, it'll take some more hardships as it seems to have been the entire season, but I look for the Eagles to be on top of that division by the end of the year and, and it'll continue on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> It, it is crazy that a one in seven team uh, has a chance of, you know, winning a division uh, because of just mm -hmm. how bad it is. Um, another key game uh, during the one o'clock slate, Tampa Bay coming off really uh, not a good performance against New Orleans, obviously, and really struggled with New York uh, a couple uh, weeks ago on Monday Night Football versus Carolina. Uh, Carolina has the number uh, eighth ranked offense in the league. Teddy Bridgewater, uh, you know, we talk about it with Scott. He's played well. He's fifth in the league in passing. Um, you know, I always thought Teddy Bridgewater was a franchise QB. Uh, I think he can win this game and actually make a push for the playoffs down the stretch, especially with Christian McCaffrey. Uh, thoughts on this game? Sure. Well, this is one game, though, that I, I might even throw the stats out because there's somebody that's walking on that field on Sunday that's won six Super Bowls, and he is not happy about the way his team has played the last two weeks. And I think, I think for him, just, you know, based on what we, what we know about him and, and the way that he carries himself, Tom Brady's not happy with himself. That's, that's where it starts. He's not happy with himself, but he's also not happy that his team had to go down to the wire with the giants. And then were frankly embarrassed by the saints on Sunday night football. I don't see the bucks losing this game. I know Carolina is a good football team and they picked it up recently I think this is Tampa Bay and Tom Brady rallying that locker room saying, look, gentlemen, we need this game if we want to stay in the hunt of this. Tom Brady knows how important that buy is, and he knows how important seeding is. He's going to take control of that locker room this week and, and hopefully, uh, for, the, for, for Buccaneers fans, hopefully turn that ship around quick. Yeah, I mean, to tell you the truth, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Tom Brady won this game, you know, 35-17 
you know, I know that I, I think Carolina can win. I do believe they will win the game, but I mean, I think it could go either way uh, because Tom Brady, you know, he still looks like he has it. He has not lost a step. Uh, he's one of the best in the NFL. I mean, this season, I mean, you know, he's looking very well. Um, okay. Uh, moving on to uh, what I believe, and even Scott, um, as you heard in the interview, believes uh, the game of the day, uh, the weird 405 uh, slot that always gets uh, sandwiched in there. <laughs> but, you know, due to the Masters, that's just how the uh, cookie crumbles. Uh, Buffalo versus Arizona. This game is huge for so many reasons. Buffalo first in the AFC East. You have Arizona in the toughest division in the league in the NFC West. Um, it is a big matchup. You have Kyler Murley, Josh Allen, and Josh Allen, he really is a very good quarterback. People need to stop sleeping on him. He has 19 touchdowns, five picks. He is truly one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And then you have on the other side of the ball, Kyler Murray, who's, this is a stat that I found interesting, eighth in rushing in the league. I find that very interesting considering they throw the ball. They have DeAndre Hopkins. Um, what's your thoughts on uh, probably the game of the day? Yeah, I think this is a good look into the future with the, with NFL quarterbacks whenever it comes to the the next generation and, and what we're going to be looking at next. Josh Allen has stood out this season, and, and it doesn't come without its, its share of bad plays. I mean, if, if you actually watch the games that he plays, you can pinpoint a few plays throughout the game that you're going to do. What are you doing? But that also comes with the fact that he has the stats that you mentioned. He has came out and played well for his team this year. Uh, a seven and two team, that record doesn't lie. No one's going to apologize for being seven and two going into this and, and leading the AFC East, uh, which is a place that the Bills have not been in 25, maybe 30 years. So this is this is a big season for Buffalo. But I think two for Arizona, the, the stat about Kyler Murray. I was one of the people that when he came out, I was worried about his NFL readiness because it, because of his height. It's made to be such a big deal to say, hey, this guy's short. You know, he won't be able to see over the line. But Kyler Murray's proven otherwise. He has proven that he can get the ball to his receivers, but he can also use his feet whenever he needs to. Um, I don't think he scrambles too much. I think he's I think he's kind of put them in a position where he has a good balance. But I think this one will come down to the wire. Uh, I, if I had to pick, if you're gonna put, if you're gonna put it on that, I'm gonna say Buffalo wins by a field goal or four points. It's gonna be a very close game, uh, but I think Buffalo's defense is gonna step up too. Uh, coming off a big win against Seattle, so I think they're gonna be ready. They're gonna be ready to play, but I think Buffalo will will give them a, a tough game. Yeah, I mean, uh, it really will be the game of the day. Uh, don't be surprised uh, if this one's just back and forth, uh, you know, you know, one of those classic games uh, on Sunday. Okay, before we get to the Sunday night matchup uh, between Baltimore and New England, Ryan, we got one more game in the four o'clock slate that everyone should be looking for, and it's uh, Seattle versus uh, L.A. Um, big matchup in the NFC West. Um, Seattle, though, I mean, they want to make the Super Bowl. You know, they have Russell Wilson playing, you know, out of this world right now, but their defense is just simply not good. Uh, their defense is giving up 372 yards uh, a game on passing. You just can't do that if you want to win in the playoffs. What's your thoughts on uh, how this game's going to turn? So we're talking about Seattle coming off a tough game against Buffalo. So Russell Wilson wants redemption. But when, when you play L.A. and you play a team that has that stout defense, and especially a defensive line, I mean, if, if you ever just sit down and watch a game, watch Aaron Donald. 
don't watch don't watch the football for about 10 plays just watch number 99 completely destroy everybody in front of him it's almost cathartic in a sense to watch him just manhandle people and he's going to put pressure pressure on Russell Wilson I will say though that when it comes to a shootout I would rather have Russell Wilson on my team than Jared Goff I think Russell Wilson can can provide that shootout but when it comes to who has the more stout defense it's going to be LA I think this will be another one of those high-scoring games. Seattle always seems to play in, in games that go over 28, maybe 35 points. But but I think Seattle is going to want redemption here. It's not that I don't think L.A. can win this game. It's that I think Russell Wilson is going to come out and have one of those out-of-his-mind games like he's been having this this early part of the, the season. Before we get to the uh, Sunday night matchup, I just have an opening question for you. Do you think the NFC West will have three teams in the playoffs, Rams, Seattle, Arizona? Yeah, so with the with the extension, if, if this does go to eight teams, I, I think it's almost a guarantee. Um, I, I don't see a way that – I don't see a way that it wouldn't be three of those teams. Uh, obviously, Seattle's going to make it. I think Arizona's clearly good enough to make it. And I think when you're talking about a seven or eight seed potentially sliding in there, I think the Rams are good enough to do it. The 49ers have just been bruised and battered too much. They're a good team otherwise, but they, they just don't have it this season. But I think the other three teams at the top of the division, those are those are three good enough playoff teams. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't have three. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it really is the toughest division in football. We'll see what happens on Sunday. Uh, wrapping up the weekend preview, Sunday Night Football, we have – Ravens versus New England. This is typically a marquee game on the calendar, but you know, New England hasn't played well. Cam hasn't played well. Uh, he has two touchdowns, seven picks. Um, and a lot of people don't like, you know, my is Lamar Jackson good take. Well, let me throw out a stat for you, Ryan. Lamar Jackson, out of all the quarterbacks in the league, he is 27th in the league. 12 touchdowns, four picks, 27th. To me, that signals he just can't throw the ball. And it was like that last year. And I understand he won, won the MVP last year. I get all that. But to me, he looks the same as he did his rookie year, where he's running all the time, can't really throw. He's one of the worst in the league. Gar Gardner Minshew, uh, you know, quarterback who's actually pretty average, uh, is above him. Uh, other quarterbacks like Ryan Tannehill, Matt Stafford. Uh, those are guys like middle-of-the-road pack quarterbacks who are above him, even Jimmy Garoppolo. So, and, and Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, really hasn't been on the field this year. Uh, thoughts what's going to happen on Sunday Night Football? If Bill Belichick is the king of doing anything, he is the king of taking away your best asset. So what New England is going to try to do the entire game is they're going to try to take away the run game of the Ravens. Now, that's, that's no small task. I mean, the Ravens have the, the top running offense, and, and they just keep turning it out. If it's not Lamar Jackson running it, it's Gus Edwards or it's J.K. Dobbins or, or Mark Ingram when he's healthy. These, these guys can do it. They are a running offense. But Bill Belichick will work, will work to take that away. That's, that's what he does. They are going to try to force Lamar Jackson to throw the ball. The only issue with that that I see – is, is will New England be in a position to make them throw the football? That's going to have to be on their offense. That's going to have to be on Cam Newton. And when they're starting receivers that the common football fan has never heard of, and, and you're basically telling Cam Newton to put it on his back, it's not a Cam Newton problem. I mean, he hasn't been his best this year, 
But when you're talking about saying, hey, you need to go make pretty much every single play and get us in a position where the Ravens can't run it, it might be too tough of a task to ask, even for a team that's coached by Belichick. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think we're actually in for like uh, a really good game on Sunday Night Football uh, this coming Sunday. Okay, um, first week in the books. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see everyone on Tuesday uh, with some uh, football recap, obviously, Masters recap. Uh, we have a great guest uh, lined up for Tuesday's episode. Uh, I think everyone's going to uh, enjoy that. And then, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see everyone Tuesday. Yeah, and a little MLB love to our Cy Young and uh, MVP award winners, Shane Bieber, Trevor Bauer, Freddie Freeman, and Jose Abreu uh, for the right four decisions, in my opinion. So big shout out to those guys. Congratulations on the MLB end. And uh, again, like Ryan said, we'll be back next week. Be ready for Tuesday and, and be ready for Friday. We got some good stuff lined up.